Hey guys, welcome to Fiction Fixation. Every week we get together to recap a different book or movie. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. This week we're going to be discussing the novel by Arid Watt, Paper Princess. That ending fucked me up, Courtney. It fucked me. And you knew it would fuck me up. I did, yes. And you did it to me anyway. Yeah, I, I read this book when it first came out. I've read it a couple times. And if I have to feel this way, you do also <laughs> because we are a team. So misery loves company. Yeah. And I'll see you in hell. Like that's, but did you like it? I like books that make you feel things, even if those things yes. are not pleasant. You know what I mean? Like you don't yeah. have to feel happy the whole time you're reading a book. You can feel angry. You can hate characters. That mm -hmm. is amazing to be able to feel things just from words. That's crazy. So yeah, I liked it. So we have our heroine, Ella, and she's a 17-year-old who is, she's just trying to get by, man. She yeah. is just trying to survive at this point. Can I just say, so when, when we meet Ella and she's talking about how, like, she's talking about how she gets in trouble a lot at school because she's late and she says... It's because I work nights. I work the night shift. Yes. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, are you 17 or 35? Like, what is happening? And then we, and then we learned that she she works. She doesn't just work nights. She has like the yeah. night job. Like she is a stripper. Like she's working, working. She's probably dead tired every night when she gets home. And then by the time she gets home and gets to sleep, she she probably gets like four hours of sleep. Yeah. But I think she's probably late because she has to take public transportation one hour to get to school. And I really have to admire her hustle here and her dedication that, you know, she has her mom who was sick with cancer and died. Yeah. She started stripping to pay her mom's bills. And all Ella wants to do right now is graduate and go to college. Like, that's what her hustle is for, is that she just wants to graduate high school and go to college. So she has no support system, absolutely not a single soul that she knows of on this planet that cares about her. And she's just trying to survive and do the best she can by herself. And I really admire that. Yeah. On this school day, on this particular day, she gets called to the principal's office. Uh -huh. And she thinks it's because, you know, the usual, she's been late a lot. She thinks she's going to get chewed out by the principal. It's a reasonable assumption. Yeah. But she, when she goes into the principal's office, there's this guy there that she's never seen before. Um, yes. And she says that he's, like, dressed to the nines. Like, he, he looks visibly he looks like somebody he looks important i think she calls him don juan what is that oh don juan <laughs> this rich looking dude is in her principal's office and the reason he's there is because he he's there to inform her that he's her new guardian i like immediately know she doesn't know this dude. I think her reaction was what all of her reactions would have been, is that some random dude shows up at her principal's office and is like, "Yeah, I'm your new daddy. Yeah, you're coming home with me." And she's like, "Fuck, <laughs> I am." She's yeah. So he has a piece of paper that says that her father gave him custody of her, and her father is dead. Yes. And the crazy thing is that 
she never knew her father. She was raised by a single mom. So she's standing there looking at this dude who's talking about a man that she's never known, giving him permission to collect her, so to speak, because he's like, you're coming with me, you know? And she's like, cool, 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 cool. Hey, guys, uh, BRB. I got to pee. Yeah, I got to go to the restroom real quick, but you guys just stay here. Can you imagine these two guys kind of twiddling their thumbs, waiting for her to come back? Meanwhile... She she's already home packing her bags. She took the public transport bus home, <laughs> packed her bags, and then picked up a night shift. She goes to a strip club and she's like, hey, I need some money real quick because I need to get out of town. So, you know, help me out here. And they're like, yeah, I got you. She gets there and gets ready. And then she's informed that she's not going on stage right away, that she's going to give a private dance. She's going to give a lap dance. Yeah. And she's like, that's that's weird. That's so weird. I just got here. Usually you have to dance for a while for someone to yeah. request a lap dance. Like, who's uh, requesting this lap dance? I wonder. But it's $500, and she just can't say no to that, you know? Yeah. Because she knows this guy that showed up in her principal's office. Uh-huh. Even though she doesn't want to believe that it's true, she can sense that this guy has money, and he obviously wants custody of her. So whether or not it's true that he has the the legal right to take custody of her, because she's still 17, yeah. um, she thinks to herself, like, I can't be, I just, I have to disappear because I have, I have no rights as a human being when I'm 17. Some other random person can show up and take control of my life, which is such bullshit. Yeah, she, she knows that she could just, she could tell by her brief conversation with him that regardless of whether his claim is legitimate, and let me tell you that legally it is not, Mm. but whether his claim is legitimate or not, that he has the money and the power to make it legitimate. Yeah. And she's just not interested in that. She's very close to being 18. She's very close to getting to graduating. She doesn't want to go with this rich asshole who just shows up out of the blue trying to take her away from this life that she's building for herself. Um, unfortunately for poor Ella, when she walks into the room to do the lap dance, Rich Dude is there. Yeah. Surprise, bitch. <laughs> yep. Callum Royal is there. And... Oh, yeah. We never said his name. His name is Callum Royal. What kind of name is Callum Royal? Excuse I made up one. <laughs> it was oh, a fictional you... one. <laughs> no, but you know what else? This guy has a, a southern accent. It's... I'm, I'm kind of into it. The Southern accent is like America's British accent. You yes. Know? Only instead of making you sound like a professor, it makes you sound like a tour guide for a haunted house. <laughs> no? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm trying really hard to dispute this and I can't. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. You can't fight it. It's true. Go with it. Just 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 allow it. Just let it take you. Listen, my analogies are strange, but do they hit? Do they hit? They hit. They hit. They hit. Thank you. So Callum Royal is his name, and he's there. At first, she's like, oh, my gosh, this guy is, wants to take advantage of me. And yeah. he's like, that's not what I want at all. I just want you to get out of here. Come with me. Yes. He's like, I assure you, I have a girlfriend that satisfies me very well. And I'm also not a pedophile. So yeah. trust me, like, you're you are safe. 
she he literally you know gets get forces her to get dressed pulls her out of the strip club when he gets her in his car in his very expensive car yeah. he's like i'm Callum royal and i'm from north carolina your daddy died in a hang gliding accident he is very rich i want to give you all this money which by the way is that not the most rich people shit you've ever heard <laughs> like to die in a hang gliding accident a yacht crash <laughs> Ella learns from Callum, her mom on her deathbed wrote a letter to Steve, and that is Callum's best friend and Ella's father. From her deathbed, she wrote this letter, essentially telling Steve that he had a daughter. Ella knows for a fact that this this was her dad because she has his watch and everything Callum said about Mm -hmm. Steve matched up with what her mom said about him. Yeah, so the letter, basically, Ella's mom says, Hey, Steve, I'm not sure if you remember me, but we conceived a child at Little Creek Naval Base. And I was like, hold the phone. Hold the phone, because Little Creek Navy Base, that we lived 10 minutes from there, you and I. Yeah. That's where we met. That's where our love story began. We don't have a child together, though, unfortunately. We do not have a child together that we know of. <laughs> It, you know what? There's tomorrow. You could die in a hang gliding accident, and that child could show up at my doorstep. So I don't know. You have to take them in, but you have to make me sound a whole lot cooler than I am. Courtney died while eating a a pecan from her charcuterie board. I did not yeah. know. <laughs> she died in a hang gliding accident, and she crashed into her yacht. And landed headfirst into her bottle of Cristal. Listen. She died in Usher's arms. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what happened. Thank you. No, we both know that it's like Courtney tried to pet a coyote. And <laughs> it turned on her. That's that's how it happened. Can coyotes really kill you? Yeah. Anyways. That's totally how you would die. That's that. It is. It, it's the sad truth. Courtney tried dying to pet something she should not be trying to pet. Yeah. He gives her money. He gives her 10 grand. He's like, listen, your dad and I had an aviation company. There's a lot more money where this came from. But the condition is you have to come with me. I have to make sure you're OK until you're 18. I, I need you to graduate from high school. It's what your father would have wanted. And she's like, I don't give a fuck about this father guy I've never met. But this money sounds real good. I mean, do you blame her? Like, she's been working the night shift, shaking her ass, trying to get good grades in school, trying to survive. And this dude shows up and he's like, all you have to do is come with me and I'll give you 10 grand a month until you graduate. 10 grand a month. Holy cow. And then like 200,000 after she graduates. But yeah, I mean, it's it's the classic, it's a classic Cinderella story, only instead of cleaning to get by, she was shaking her ass to get by, which, you know, potato, potato, we're not going to judge. We're not here to judge. Nope. She stops fighting Callum and gets on his very expensive jet, mm-hmm. where, first of all, they drive the car into the cargo bay. They just drive right in. That's not, that's not even because she says it's not a jet. It's like a passenger plane. Yeah. She says it's huge because that's what he does. He's in aviation. He makes planes. So he just took like the weekday plane, you know, nobody's going to miss this plane. It's fine. 
she goes to his huge mansion in North Carolina. Yeah. And he's like, let me introduce you to my kids. Oh, first he says, my boys aren't really keen on strangers. And uh, boy, are they ever not. I don't think they're keen on anybody. So these boys, like their daddy, they have a, a southern accent. They're like, they're they're four of them, right? There's five of them, but one of them is off to college. There's five of them, at, yeah, and one's away at school. Yeah, one's away at college, so she meets four of them, and they just kind of glower over her at the main staircase, staring down at her. She's like, first of all, they're all beautiful. They're, they're gorgeous kids, which also I was thinking to myself, I don't know if you've ever looked up like the world's multi-billionaires and what their kids look like and they're usually not i mean god i don't want to offend anyone but those kids are not listening to this podcast i don't think their mom might be (laughs) they're beautiful souls (laughs) (laughs) they have good hearts they're beautiful unique souls they look like they would be funny and kind yes like us (laughs) yes that is correct thank you (laughs) the boys are just being dicks i mean they are like yeah. studiously ignoring her like they want nothing to do with her they are they are drawing their own line in the sand right now they're all like 16 and older right yes there's twins and i think the twins are 16 there's a, a middle kid who's like 17 and then there's like an 18 year old right yeah ella is attracted very specifically to reed the oldest that's at home yes she's most attracted to reed And he is very moody. Mm -hmm. He has anger issues, which for me are always a red flag. Yeah. Always, always. Um, Can we we start calling men who are angry all the time overly emotional? I feel like that's fair because anger is an emotion. That's, That's all I'm saying. I'm just sick of that double standard of like he's flipping over tables, but he's not emotional. You are very emotional, sir. You need to calm down. Sir. I can't talk to you when you're like this. Sir, you need to calm down. But yeah, she is immediately drawn to Reed. And I feel like he's immediately drawn to her also. However, he's already made up his mind that she's a gold-digging slut. Yeah. So these boys, they think she's trying to bone their dad. They think she's trying to use their dad as a sugar daddy, basically. Their main goal right now is just to intimidate and... Like, belittle her. Yeah. And being the oldest one at home, Reed starts that off by showing up in her bedroom the next morning. So Reed comes into her room to kind of intimidate her. And you could see that it's a power play. Yeah. He is menacing her. So immediately red flags. Immediately red flags. And what's and what's Ella doing? She's She pulls a Courtney. She's like, I'm not sure if I'm scared or turned on. I'm like, Ella, honey, Ella, you're scared. Okay, stop. Por que dos los dos? Like, por que no los dos? <laughs> why can't it be both? Well, Courtney, I will I will talk more about that later, but it cannot be both. You cannot be scared and turned on at the same time. Are yes, you, you can. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, you can. I assure you it is possible. I can't with you. I literally can't. Courtney's dad, if you're <laughs> listening to this... <laughs> Dad, this is not the episode for you. You're going to go to the next one. Actually, no. The next one is Fifty Shades of Grey. Just go, go, to, go to the last one where we talk about fisting. Oh, no, wait. You know what? 
I am a 32-year-old with a house, a husband, and five kids. Yeah. I do not need to edit my podcast because my dad might listen to it. I'm a grown-ass woman. (laughs) I got you, girl. Don't worry. I got you. (laughs) Yeah, so Daddy Royal has this girlfriend. Her name is Brooke. And she's this younger girl. I think she's, like, in her early 20s. And Brooke is pretty nice to Ella. She takes her shopping for new clothes because she's like, hey, you're about to start school. And this school is no joke. Like, you don't want to show up there in your raggedy old clothes. Yeah. That day, Callum takes Ella to the school and gets her enrolled in classes tries to coerce her into joining the dance team and she's like nope i think i'm good he's just like you need to step up your game and she's like i literally just got here give me a give me a second to absorb things i didn't even drink my coffee yet jesus christ callum (laughs) give me a second this school as you can imagine is full of the most entitled rich kids you you will find in any yeah. Any reality. <laughs> Real or imagined. Yeah. Ella does eventually make a friend named Val. Yeah. Um, and Val shouldn't be there either. Val is a scholarship student. She has rich aunts and uncles. Yeah. She's living with them to attend this school. It's interesting that the scholarship student still has, is still rich adjacent, you know? Like, you don't have any dirt poor students here. No, they don't. Like, Ella's technically the dirt poor student, and she's getting 10 grand a month just to go, <laughs> just to exist. So you could kind of get an idea of who how these kids are. And so, I mean, it's not surprising, but Ella is not treated well by the majority of her peers, except for this Val girl who feels she has a lot in common with her because they both, they're like kind of outcasts. They don't really belong yeah. to the rich world. But these kids are horrible to her. They whisper behind her back. I... I feel like too in I don't want to say in the mean kids defense, but Ella finds out about this thing that they call the royal decree. Um, and it's essentially the royal boys oh God run this fucking school and whenever they say goes. But you know what? When people are saying that the royal boys run this school, what they really mean is that Reed Royal runs this school. Because yes. it's very clear that they all defer to him. And so when it's clear that he doesn't like Ella, everyone decides that they don't like her either. And Reed allows these people to be horrible to her because he's horrible to her. You know what occurred to me? What? So these rich kids, you know, they have so much drama between them. And I realized that sometimes when people that haven't experienced any real hardship in life, they have to manufacture hardship into their life. Yes. They start, you know, causing trouble, getting, you know, doing things that they're not supposed to do. It's, they're chasing that high, you know? They're chasing the the spiciness of life. The spice of life is struggle. Oh, no. Stop it with your fucking analogies, man. Like, I, they, they hit and I don't like it. (laughs) So, Ella now kind of has a little more information about her dad, Steve, who died. Yeah. And she also learns that he was married. So he has a whole ass wife Uh who she's going to have to meet at some point. 
yeah. if she wants her inheritance. So Callum informs Ella one day, hey, Angry Widow wants to meet you today yeah. alone. And yeah. Ella does not want to go for obvious reasons. Um, then she asks Callum, she's like, hey, if I don't go, is she going to cause problems? And Callum's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she reluctantly agrees to go meet Angry Widow. And it goes about as well as everyone thinks it's going to go. Yeah. I mean, she Angry Widow basically accuses Ella of being a gold-digging whore who is popping up out of nowhere to try to get this money. And, you know, she's just... She's acting like she doesn't have evidence that Ella really is Steve's daughter, which Ella learns from Callum that they have they did a DNA test, so they know for sure yeah. that she is his that she was his daughter. And and the widow knows this, but she's try, still trying to scare she's trying to scare Ella. She's trying to intimidate Ella into sort of bowing out of the whole situation. Right. Avery Widow knows she's fucked. She's probably scared that he might have cut her out of the will for this daughter she didn't know about. Anyways, so Ella gets sort of kidnapped again <laughs> into going to her first party. Her first rich kid party. Yeah. Um, she doesn't want to go. However, Callum thinks it's important that she go and, you know, meet more classmates and just be social, you know? So Callum tells Reed and the boys, hey, take Ella to this party with you. Their first response is immediately no. No. Yeah. We won't be doing that. Thank you. (laughs) And then Callum, knowing what his sons have been saying, knowing kind of what their issue with Ella is, he plays that to his advantage. And so he's basically just like, that's fine. She can stay here. Ella and I are going to watch a movie. <laughs> and he throws his arm over her shoulders. Um, and then the boys are like, nope, she's coming with us. And and Ella proceeds to have the worst time ever because everyone at this party treats her like shit. She starts to hear more about the rumors that everyone's saying like, oh, yeah, I hear. She, I heard She's a stripper, which fair enough, right? It's true. But they just start yeah. saying, like, I, you know, I hear that she's screwing the father and this and that. And everyone has all these stories about her that they're whispering behind her back. Just all kinds of bullshit. And she's not made of stone. You know, she's a 17-year-old yeah. girl, which lest we forget, her mom died. She just found out her father she never knew died. She has all but one friend. She feels alone. She feels she's in a hostile environment because these four boys that she lives with hate her guts. And then she goes to a school where people hate her guts. Like this poor girl, like cut her some slack. She is just straight up not having a good time. And Reed made sure that she wouldn't have a good time. He fans the rumors and he fans the flames and he makes sure that everyone continues to treat her like crap and talk to her like she's nothing. And it's just so unnecessary. Absolutely. They're doing it because they can. I know. And then this sad, like this really sad thing happens on the ride home when it's time for them to go home. Uh-huh. Ella kind of gets into a little argument with the boys and they basically kick her out of the car and make her yeah. walk home. And it's not like it's close to home. It's like a mile. 
So they, apart from humiliating her in school and being hostile to her at home and generally treating her like crap, now they're putting her life at risk, making her walk home at night by herself. And poor Ella, she says, she's like, she wants to cry, but she doesn't. And this is where I'm like, listen, to anyone listening, I'm going to try to save you some therapy, okay? Cry. Yes. Cry. If you feel sad, if you feel hurt, like, obviously, don't start bawling at a Wendy's drive-thru, but if you're alone and you feel safe enough to let out your emotions, you freaking should, because if you don't, they're going to bottle up, and then they're going to turn into depression, and that's not good. Thank you for coming to Versus TED Talk. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um, don't go yet, because it's not over. <laughs> it's not over, no. So... Ella has to walk home, and I feel like that's a big chink in her armor, is that yeah. they endangered her life by making her walk home in an unfamiliar place in the middle of the night. They're humiliating her again. It's just insult on top of insult on top of insult. Because they're assholes. The royal boys, all five of them, but four of them that we know of. We have the twins. Uh-huh. We have... Uh, Reed, we have Easton, and then we have the one that we haven't met, which is Gideon. They're all messed up. Like, none of them are okay. And we kind of learn a little bit of backstory that kind of puts... It gives a little bit of context, but not enough, because no... I don't. I just don't think any life event gives you a license to be a terrible person. No. Because we all go through shit, you know what I mean? And we have to figure out how to deal... Um, and move forward and treat people with respect. So I don't excuse them, but they um, they've they've been through it lately. You know, their mom died. Yeah, they blamed their dad for it because their dad was never around. Their mom was like super depressed, and she was trying yeah. to use pills and prescription medications and then extracurricular prescriptions to sort of like mask her depression and pain to sort of try to deal with it. And they blamed her depression on dad not being there. Yeah, so the the kids, all of the royal boys, they basically blamed the dad because he was never around. He was busy growing his empire, his his aviation business with yeah. Steve, who was, you know, Ella's dad. But Ella also learns that Steve was a bad influence. Like, he was this partier, like, womanizer. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, Daddy Royal, Callum... He, a lot of times he was out bailing Steve out of situations. Yeah. And when the mom died, that's what he was doing. He was in Japan pulling Steve out of like a brothel. Yeah. And so the boys, even though even though the boys knew Steve and he was kind of like an uncle to them, they kind of ended up hating him because they're like, he's the reason our mom died. They blame him. And by extension, they blame Ella. And I feel like that's not an unreasonable sort of leap for the human mind to make like is it unfair yes but i feel like it's not unreasonable you know and they're kids so like i get it yeah they need you need a bad guy you know i feel like if your mom dies and and it was an accident i mean she overdosed accidentally on pills yeah they they needed someone to be the bad guy and they chose steve so this kind of gives Ella a, a better idea of like why they hate her so much it's not just that they think she's a gold digger she literally reminds them of their mom dying yeah and 
with all of this, like, sort of, you know, like, maternal trauma that the boys have, they all have, like, their ways of coping with it, you know? Reed goes and fights in this, like, fighting ring at the shipyard and shipping containers. You know, he fights just to feel something, and the something he chooses to feel is pain. And, you know, Easton gambles. He has, like, three different bookies. And oh my God. the twins share a girlfriend. It's so bizarre. I feel like it's super bizarre, especially for their age, you know? Yeah, they're 16. Like, come on. It's just... It's weird. <laughs> no. Like, put your pants on and go do your homework, like I said in the after episode. Like, I just can't <laughs> with these young kids. So after this, like, revelation she has, you know, I feel like Ella has a little bit more sympathy or she has a little bit more empathy for the boys, you know, because she, too, lost her mother and they lost their mother. And I feel like with her understanding how losing that parent feels, you know, she's a lot more lenient, you know, with them. She, um... Callum is out of town, and she actually makes dinner for Sawyer and Sebastian, the twins. And it's a really sweet thing until Reed has to show up and open his fucking mouth and ruin it. You know, they're like, oh, thank you for the spaghetti. We were really hungry. We didn't really want to eat cereal. And she's like, just eat your spaghetti and shut up. And Reed's like, what is that? Like, he made it dirty spaghetti, when it was supposed to be kind spaghetti. Yeah. Well, he's immediately trying to read in a, a, a bad intention. Yeah. You never you never had true spaghetti, you know? Somebody make you spaghetti because they were mad at you and now they're, they want to be nice to you. You never had that? <laughs> Everyone's had tr- true spaghetti. I prefer truce tacos. <laughs> it's a truce. So remember, there are five royal boys. The oldest that's at home is Reed, and then the second oldest at home is Easton. And I'm going to tell you right now, I like Easton. I I like Easton, too. I feel like Easton's a lot easier to love than Reed is. Well, because Easton, he's seems more easygoing. He doesn't have a personal vendetta against Ella. He's just going with the flow that Reed is setting. So yeah. Easton is just like, oh, we don't like this chick? Okay, sure. But then one night, Easton just shows up at Ella's room, and he's just like, hey, what's up, sis? I just came to hang out. And by hang out, I mean Netflix and chill. And by Netflix and chill, I mean chill. I just want to chill. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's like, are you allowed to be in here? Does Reed know you're in here? Yeah. Easton's trying to be all, you know, all bravado and... He's just like, I don't need his permission. Like, yeah, like, we're just hanging out. The thing is that Ella is very vulnerable right now. She's extremely vulnerable. She has been chipped down. She's lonely. She's starved. And not just, not from the moment that she walked through the door. She's been like that since before she even got there. She's been alone for a long time. Her mom died. She's had no comfort. She's had no one. So when Easton comes around and he starts being nice to her out of nowhere, she eats it up. And then he makes a move on her and they start kissing. And, you know, a part a part of her is like, I don't want him. I want Reed. But also, 
I want any human touch or connection. And she just kind of goes with it. Yeah. And I mean, like, listen, I am totally team Reed, but por que dos los dos? Like, it's... Por que no los dos? <laughs> Courtney, you're not going to use my language for blasphemy, okay? Because Reed... First of all, it was from a Taco Shell commercial. <laughs> a Taco Bell? Taco Shell. I think it was Odell Paso Taco Shells. Oh, Okay. They have this pack where they're like, do you want crunchy tacos or soft tacos? And this one little girl is like, por que no la dos? <laughs> Why must we choose? Well, listen, um, I so Easton is he's nice to her. And I think it's you kind of realize that he's wanted to be nice to her all along. He just wasn't because Reed, yeah. you know, demands that everyone is mean to her. So this is what I mean. I'm Team Easton. Like, I don't understand why it's... Well, first of all, I mean, I'm Team Easton if I'm, you know, tied up and thrown in a cellar and have no other choice. Because obviously, if I had a choice, I wouldn't be Team any of these trash boys. But between Reed and Easton... Easton is the better choice. Listen, we know why it's not Easton. Reed is a walking collage of red flags. Okay? <laughs> he he is all of the red flags sewn delicately into a giant muscled boy. Ooh. Oh, Courtney. Oh, the imagery. Are you a writer? <laughs> what did you like to know? But, you know, um, it, it's funny because I actually have a note here somewhere. I'm trying to find it because it totally I started to realize like I was like, wait a minute. Why do I keep saying red flag, red flag in every episode? I keep saying red flag. And then I realized, oh, it's because Courtney picks the stories and she's literally <laughs> like red flags are her catnip. Like this is what she lives for. While Ella is like a lipsed, dry humping Easton, Reed comes in and gets a front row seat to the whole thing. Oh my God, he is furious. He is so angry. And there's kind of a vibe there of almost like jealousy and possession. Like, what are you doing with my girl? Which was so bizarre because he's been so uninterested in her until, until this point. Yeah. Ella gets invited by her, I would say by her best friend. It's her best friend and it's also her only friend. I know. Well, that's, those are the best friends when they're your only friend. You're trapped. You're trapped. You can never leave. <laughs> she gets invited to this club that lets in under 21. And this club is like a club that I've never been to. There's, like, hanging cages where, like, people get to dance in. They have those in Virginia Beach. Do they? I mean, like, I don't know if they're cages, but I feel like I've seen cages. They, I've seen clubs like that where they have, like, like little places for people to dance, yeah. I've seen, like, little raised stages, but never, like, cages. Maybe I've never actually been to a club. I don't know. <laughs> I, did not, I did not frequent clubs very much. I I think I can count on one hand the number of times I've been to a club. Like, I never understood, like, where those songs would come on and everyone would go and everyone knows the dance moves, like the little country songs. And yeah. it just always made me feel like I didn't understand the assignment. I didn't study for the test. 
So they get to this club and they're in the cage. They're in their groove. They're dancing. And Ella notices Reed across the bar. Reed and Ella make this moment of prolonged eye contact. He's leaning against the bar. She's dancing with Val in the cage. She is two seconds away from just removing her panties and just throwing them across (laughs) the bar. Yeah. She has known all this time that she's attracted to him and she wants him. But I think this is the first time that she realizes that he wants her too. Because he cannot take his eyes off of her. No, he is hardcore. Like, he's crushing on her. He he won't say it, though. Yeah. He won't admit it. Ella gets out of the cage. And she kind of makes, like, sort of an immediate beeline for Reed. But Mm -hmm. he's gone. Yeah. Reed is gone, though. Um, Easton's there, though. Oh, yeah. Easton. Her makeout buddy. And she proceeds to do just that. She makes up with Easton <laughs> on the dance floor. Well, we forgot to mention that she's also drunk. Like, she yeah. has been drinking. So she's intoxicated. She's a little tipsy. Not not that you need an excuse to make out with a boy. Like, girl, just make out with a boy. You don't need a reason. Right. So she's been drinking a little bit. Easton's been drinking. They have this moment on the dance floor where they really connect and they just sort of get each other, you know? They just sort of get each other. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, I feel like they have, like, an understanding of this, like, right now. They they are connecting with each other on an emotional level, not a sexual level. They're, uh, Courtney, they literally have each other's tongues in... I bet before that happened... Oh, yeah, I guess. I mean, the thing is, apart from the the one friend that she made, Easton is the only person who has been nice to her. Yeah. And the only person that she can get physical affection from. So she just kind of does it. It's just so weird, though. Like, she's attracted to the other brother, but she makes out with this one. I mean, that. Yeah, I that's a little. Yeah, yeah, that's a little weird. I don't. Just a little bit. I want to say, can you. Can you blame her? But, like, yeah, you can. Because, like, what are you doing? (laughs) The next day at school, this guy approaches her. His name is Daniel. Mm -hmm. Daniel approaches her and is just like, hey, girl, hey. But he's being really sweet and nice to her. And he asked her out. Ella's kind of taken aback. And she asked what changed. She said, you know, I thought that Reed gave the royal decree. He's like, yeah, but you were with Easton last night, so things have changed. He's like, yeah, we're all scared of Reed, but if you were making out with Easton, then that means that Reed doesn't care. Yeah. So if Reed doesn't care, you're fair game, and I'd love to take you on in a date. And she's like, and it's so weird because this Daniel guy is really handsome. He's really uh-huh. nice. He's obviously also rich or whatever. And she's still struggling with wanting Reed who treats her like complete and total trash. And it's like, makes no sense. It's like, just go out with this Daniel guy. He's so nice and he really likes you. Yeah, and I mean, I get kind of her thought process. You know, like she's had some conflicting feelings for Reed, but at the end of the day, Reed's still like, dog girl. And here's this nice dude who's asking her out. I can kind of see where she's struggling between like, can I change Reed? Can I make him love me? <laughs> she 
she's going after the guy who doesn't want to give her affection. Like, she's chasing that dopamine. <laughs> you know what? Maybe it was her intuition that was telling her, that kept pulling her away from Daniel because she ends up, I mean, she talks to Jan- Daniel for a while, right? Like, they're talking. Yeah. Um, she's, they're flirting. They're, she's basically tells him that she wants to go out with him. Like she wants to go steady with him or whatever the kids say. Daniel takes her to this party and it's kind of the first time that they're going out together in a way, kind of dating. And this fucking asshole drugs her and tries to take advantage of her. It's insane. It makes no sense. It is like an elaborate plan too. Like she injects her. Um, while they're playing darts. And he's like, oh, I pricked you with my dart. And she gets like a really heebie-jeebie feeling about it. And she's like, why would you do that? And he's like, no, I don't know. Oh, God. he I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought we just had to worry about people putting things in our drinks. I didn't know that they could inject us with freaking syringes. What the hell? Money, bro. Money. That's crazy. So he injects her with something and she starts losing it. Like she starts feeling like her clothes are, you know, suffocating her. She wants to get naked. I mean, I think essentially he gave her ecstasy. And yeah. she's um and so thankfully Reed breaks in right in time and he saves her, gets her out of there. All of the royal brothers actually end up coming well, in. See, she's like yelling for Reed. Yeah. You know, like, she's trying to get to Reed, and, you know, Daniel is getting really mad at her. And he's like, no, you dumb slut. Like, he is not yeah. a good dude. Well, his true colors come out, because the second that he realizes that he, he achieved his mission to drag her up, his mask falls off, and he reveals himself to be just cruel and horrible. All of the royal brothers, you know, the four that are home, it's... They find her there. You know, they can tell that she's been drugged, that she's not herself, that this is not just alcohol. You know, I don't think that they beat him up at this point. You know, they they don't touch him. Their priority is getting Ella home. Yeah, they just, all they want to do is get her out of there before anybody sees her in in the condition that she's in. So they get her out of there, they get her home, and Reed ends up having to spend the night with her because she is not in good shape. So he spends the night with her, and this things get a little weird because she's on drugs and she's very, very um, aroused and trying to have sex with him specifically. Yeah. He doesn't have sex with her, but he does do other stuff to, like, service her. But the thing is, like, the next day he's very concerned with clarifying, like, hey, did you feel like I took advantage of you? And she was like, no, I, like, basically forced you. And he kind of feels better that she doesn't feel taken advantage of, which is, like, cool, thanks, very thoughtful of you. But also, could we not engage in any sexual activity with the girl who's been drugged against her will? Like- yeah, it, it, it does kind of give you, like, some weird vibes like as a rule of them if you wouldn't let them drive probably don't let them yeah make decisions about sex and sexual partners yeah so it's really unfortunate that the first you know ella has been wanting reed for so long and, and yeah he obviously wants her too and it's so unfortunate that their first sexual encounter is under these kind of muddy conditions ella is very vulnerable after the situation with Daniel and the Royals. Yeah. So when 
Gideon and Reed and Easton all come tell her, hey, there's a party tonight and you're not going. Well, so Gideon is home. Gideon is yeah. the college the college royal boy and he's he's home. Yeah. Right now from college. He's currently home and they're like, Hey, there's a party, um, don't go to it. And she's like, I didn't plan on going to it, but now I want to. <laughs> so like what the fuck well, is going on? It's super sus. Like all of like literally they get the royal brother who's never home. He's always in college. He comes down from college specifically to attend this party. And she's like, okay, something weird is going on. And she puts two and two together very quickly that that kid, Daniel, that tried to rape her, he's going to be at this party. And so she's like, you guys are getting revenge, aren't you? So she ends up going and and she's like, what's the plan? You guys are trying to get revenge. And their plan is just to beat him up. I'm like, wow, you guys are so nuanced. Like, what a sophisticated plan. Right? She's like, (laughs) no, that is not good enough. And her and a couple of other girls who have also been victims of Daniel, they come up with this huge elaborate plan to humiliate the shit out of him. The deviousness that women can come up with astounds me. Like, a man could never come up with a plan like this. A man is going to beat your ass. A woman's going to hurt your fucking feelings. It's like taking ki- taking candy from a baby. It was so easy for them to lure Daniel to a pool house. Yeah. You know, and tie him to a chair and put an apple in his mouth like a like the pig that he is. And then they drew the curtains so uh-huh. everybody at the party could see him. They took pictures and everything. Yeah. And I think Daniel deserved every bit of that and more. Yeah. Um, I mean, he should have gone to jail. But anyway... Apparently, his dad is a judge, which is totally like, Jesus yeah. Christ, why does this happen? I had to remind myself it was it was a book and not a real judge. <laughs> do you ever get, like, really mad at some of the things the characters do? And you're like, no, you dumb fuckers. <laughs> I was about to Google, like, who, what judge is, you know, his fault? I'm like, oh, wait, this is not real. <laughs> what district? Yeah, what district does this judge preside over so I could write a strong worded letter? And it's like, oh, wait, he doesn't exist because it's a fucking book. Okay, (laughs) proceed. (laughs) I'm getting too heated. But after the party, um, Reed is very high strung at this point because Reed played on going and kicking Daniel's ass. Mm -hmm. um, And he didn't get that. And so Reed is very high strung at this point. Yeah. He's out of the beach and Ella finds him. You know, like, she, she, they've called a semi-truce at yeah. this point, but they're not friends. But she's worried about him. Yeah, well, he opens up a little bit on this on this beach and, and talks about his childhood. And he even kind of admits that he has feelings for her. Yeah. Which is, like, what she wants to hear. Eh, I prefer Easton. That's all I'm saying. You're, like, still team Easton. Thank you. They're on the beach. They're, you know, kind of having a heart-to-heart conversation. And she reveals to him that she's a virgin. And he he's confused because he he didn't think that she was because she was a stripper. Yeah. It's like he assumes strippers equate to sex, which is an unfair assumption. Well, how can a woman resist all of the penises in the crowd? How could she not have sampled the charcuterie board of penises in the crowd when she was stripping superhuman strength she has 
the power of hymen. Is that a Pokemon card? <laughs> Dude, I swear to God, if my kids come home with a Pokemon card that says hymen, like I need to, it's going to take me a minute. It's going to take me a minute to get my, <laughs> to get myself together. Yeah. Reed and Ella, they have a moment and they, they shift from being yeah. friends, from being just cordial to each other um to being buddies <laughs> they start hooking they start hooking up but not having sex yeah um i kind of i kind of appreciate that they are not having sex but they're they're messing around yeah it's all just like hand and mouth stuff they're doing like nose stuff and chin stuff and elbow stuff they're you know they're doing knee stuff and ankle stuff they're they're doing the heel toe you know they're they're doing <laughs> they're learning the macarena they're learning the Macarena. <laughs> but yeah, so they start hooking up and sneaking around because Callum mm-hmm. can't know. And Reed is showing Ella affection at school. Mm-hmm. He's not like making out with her in school, but he's like touching her face, caressing her hair. Yeah. And people are talking. Yeah, well, even, you know, Ella's friend Val is like, Reed doesn't do that. Reed was dating this girl for a while, and he never shows her affection in school. Yeah. So Ella is under the assumption that Reed really likes her. He suddenly, like that night on the beach, everything shifted, and he has been so sweet. He's been so nice yeah. to her. There's no like, there's no hint of that cruel boy that was so mean to her all this time. Uh-huh. And um, she kind of lets her guard down, you know? And she's sort of counting on that, you know, relationship to kind of be holding steady right now. Poor Ella has another difficult meeting that she has to attend. And that is the reading of her father's will. She's in such an awkward position because she goes to this reading with the widow that hates her. Uh And the, the will reveals that. Steve, her dead father, left her everything. Yeah. And the widow is furious. And Ella's like, dude, I'm sorry. I don't even know this guy. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Every widow is so angry. And she's <laughs> slinging all kinds of accusations at Ella. Like, that gutter trash bastard isn't Steve's daughter. You know? Yeah. She is just... She's unhappy because she got, like, a life allowance from Steve, right. um, which is essentially, like, a small amount of money to, like, get her by. Live off of, yeah. Yeah, but Angry Widow is used to spending a shit ton of money, and she's not going to have that lifestyle anymore, you know? Ella owns 25% of Atlantic Aviations now. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. She mentions a number figure about how much money her father left her. It's in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And she will have access to that when she turns 21. Yes. So it's all so much. And this is, you know, you start to wonder, like, is this her happily ever after? You know, she's she's a millionaire a hundred times over. Yeah. Um, She's with the boy that she, like, really likes. And she's really starting to develop super deep feelings for she wants to lose her virginity. She wants to have sex with him. Yeah. 
Um, but this really weird thing happens. Um, in the middle of the night, she gets a call from the brother that's in college, from Gideon, and yeah. he's driving down to warn her about something. And he's like, you need to come out here, and we need to talk to you. This is really serious. This is really important. She goes out to meet Gideon, and she's like, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? Why are you driving down from college in the middle of the night? Like, what is going on? He's like, bitch, get in the car. And they get in the car, and they go driving. And he, like, stops at a random parking lot. And he's he's not playing around with her today. Gideon says to Ella, are you and Reed messing around? Are you guys hooking up? And she's like, no, we're not yeah. hooking up. And he's like, Ella, don't lie to me. And she's like, okay, there's like something going on with us, but we're not sleeping together. Gideon tells her, you have to stop. You have to stop whatever's going on with Reed. It can't keep going on. He he tells her that the royal men are just there to like destroy women, to ruin their lives. And she needs to do herself a favor and just leave Reed alone. So I'm kind of assuming that Gideon is thinking about Brooke uh-huh. because Daddy Royal broke up with his girlfriend Brooke and we didn't really mention this earlier but Ella kind of noticed that Brooke and Gideon had a little bit of chemistry going on and yeah. it's like kind of gross and weird but I'm assuming that Gideon has something going on with Brooke and that he has witnessed the aftermath of his father breaking up with her. Uh-huh. Ella lies to him and she's like, oh yeah, like it's not that serious. Thanks for letting me know. I'll break up with Reed. And Gideon's like, oh, thank right. God. <laughs> he drops her off back at home and she's like, I'm gonna go up to Reed's room and get some dick. Oh, just a couple weird things. Nobody's home. There are no cars. Uh-huh. Only Reed is home. Like, that's that's weird. It's really quiet here. It's really quiet. Uh-huh. Suspiciously quiet. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> um, and she's actually never been to Reed's room before. He normally comes to her room. And today she's like, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go find him. So right. she goes up to his room and she's really confused at first because there's just a whole lot of like lacy, naughty things just laying everywhere. And there is Brooke, Daddy Royal's ex-girlfriend, lying naked. With Reed. In Reed's bed. So, not great, you know, like not great. Ella is is not okay right now. And see, her her initial thought process here is, oh no, this girl is here for Easton, and Easton wandered into the wrong room, and then Reed wandered into the wrong room, um, and now I'm wandering into the wrong. Like she tries to rationalize it so much with like, this is all a big misunderstanding and mistake. Yeah. And Reed says absolutely fucking nothing. He does not say a damn word. He looks at her and doesn't explain. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Is this not the train wreck that we all got on board for? Like, we knew this was not going to end well. Like, we knew it. We just choo-choo. We just got on this train, girl. We knew (laughs) knew what was going to happen. I think at this point, Ella does what any of us would do. Build a time machine and go back in time and not... (laughs) be attracted to this asshole yeah she packs her bags and goes to a bus station and just dips out of town yeah she leaves and dude i was i was like are you kidding me this is the end because there are there are two other books that tell more of the story so you guys can check that out 
Um, I was angry at first, but then I thought, you know what? It's a good ending because I don't like Reed for her anyway. So I'm glad Mm -hmm. that she was given the gift of seeing who he really is so that she can run for the hills. And shut up because I know you know what happens, but. I'm trying so hard not to tell you. No, but like, regardless of his reasons, he still chose to hurt her. You know what I mean? No. See, I forgive a lot in fictional men that I would never forgive in real life men. I think that's my problem because I hold fictional men accountable at the same level that I do real life men. Unless they are like supernatural, then I'm like, you're good. (laughs) Because you're not real. (laughs) No, and I do. And I give supernatural fictional men even bigger of a pass. (laughs) He's 750 years old. Like, what do you expect? Okay. Give him a break, man. He's tired of life. (laughs) Of course he murders people. Oh, my God. You would, too, if you were 700. (laughs) This ending, you know, this ending. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. I I can't make this different. I don't want to say better because I feel like this is this is what I wanted. <laughs> so Yeah, so that's uh that's the book, man. That's the book. And listen, it was a ride and would I do it again? Yes. Would I be angry in the same way at the end? Yes. It's like a, a a very very, it's like a roller coaster that at the end someone slaps you in the face, and it's like thank you for riding this roller coaster and then it just slaps you in the face. I'm not opposed to it. All right, guys, the teapot is completely freaking empty for the day. Totally empty, bone dry. Okay, why did you have to make that weird? <laughs> just, just... more is brewing and on the way. We'll be back next week with Set It Up, a movie on Netflix. Ooh, I'm excited. Who's who stars in that? Uh, Zoe Deutsch. Cool. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and share with a friend. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. From her charcuterie board. Charcuterie. 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 Courtney absolutely did not die choking on a peanut from her charcuterie fucking hell forget it I'm not gonna charcuterie (laughs) it's charcuterie that's what I said charcuterie no the first time you said (laughs) charcuterie (laughs) Courtney died while eating a, a pecan from her charcuterie board I did not know. (laughs) But did I say it right? That's all that matters.